we want control and security. We want order. We want meaning and purpose. And Camus would say the universe obviously provides none of that. It provides everything the opposite. So for you to think that the world or the universe or life is going to provide those things is unbelievably absurd. It's ridiculous. It's not going to come from there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Kamazeski with Tyler Weeb. And today, Tyler, I appreciate you letting me do this. It's a little bit of a pet hobby of mine when it comes yeah. to philosophy. And, and I'm sure we've talked about many topics that dovetail right into absurdism and Albert Camus. But I've looked at our library of podcasts. We've never done one just directly head on into what it means. So today we're going to talk about absurdism. And the backstory for me is about 10 years ago, I made friends with a guy who had a degree in philosophy. He was a friend of mine from writing school. And I just, you know, conversationally asked him with everything that you know of philosophers, you know, what's kind of from your academic standpoint, your best worldview mm -hmm. or, or what do you consider the most important thing that guides your your thought processes? And, and without flinching, he just said absurdism. And I had never heard that term. I had no idea. And so in my own study, I found very quickly like, wow, I, I get that because existentialism started in the Enlightenment era and it was very, very nihilistic. There, you know, when, when people started segregating into atheism and we've had this very hyper-religious worldview and, you know, wars fought for that and people came along as education and science were proliferating and said, hey, you know, that's clearly not for us, but if we give that up, what is there? And they really started wrestling with just the randomness of, well, maybe no one out there cares about us. Maybe there's, maybe the universe isn't guiding us. Maybe we just are utterly meaningless. And that, of course, brings with it a ton of terror for some people. Other people really tried to figure out what does this mean? And everybody's afraid of nihilism as if, if, if you don't have some kind of believe in a guiding force, then you're just going to turn into some rabid animal and be this wild beast on the earth, which is actually a direct quote from Camus. And, and so he really set out as a French philosopher to figure out, you know, what clearly that's not true. You know, something else makes people tick and ethics and morality guides people outside of religion quite almost more so. And so why? Where, where does that come from? And, and that began this, this kind of foray into the, the kind of search for meaning, man's search for meaning, Victor Frankl. So uh, I, I mean, there's just a lot to go through from his own studies and, and, and books and so forth. But with that, with that as my background into the topic, how do you come at it? Uh, I can't remember who said it. it was a God is dead and we killed him. It, was that was that Camus or was that Nietzsche? Sorry, Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that I was kind of reminded of that when when you were kind of going through that and you know my background. Uh, you know, I guess kind of roughly the same timeline. Like honestly, I probably hadn't heard of it until I met you, which you know that was close to probably ten years ago. Now, now at this point. Um, and I mean, for, you know, myself, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I've kind of 
touched on it a little bit in our um in our pods but you know i grew up very religious uh you know in in uh, protestant faith uh youth group met my wife at bible school you know thought i was going to be a pastor one day um so you know that was a really you know big part of my world view and and how i viewed things and um you know by the time i had met you i was already on a bit of a quest of of questioning things and and not necessarily you know thinking that was the way and so you know, as you and I then started to get to know each other and we started talking more, we found we kind of had a similar interest in, you know, philosophy and just, you know, the deeper meanings of life. And, you know, it was something that, you know, did resonate with me, you know, when we, you know, started to dive into it and, and starting to look at it a bit more. And, you know, it almost, you know, it's, I certainly had the terrors that come along with it. And I still think those are things that I'm, you know, working through and, and kind of still figuring out, like, it's still, you know, you go from, you know, 25, 26 years, you know, one worldview, and now you are changing your worldview. It's going to take some time to, I think, you know, really settle into that. But, you know, it was almost just like this, you know, like there was just like a little click and I was like, Oh, okay. Like that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it almost, you know, it, it took off a lot of religious pressure. It did put on some other type of pressure, but it was more of that individuality and that freedom and that, you know, you do have that full control of your life in an absurd uh, world. And, you know, you don't have to look to a silent God for that meaning in life. You know, you just need to look at yourself for that meaning. And it, I think can create a lot of beauty in your life because now you are creating that meaning. And I think it, you know, it really does force you to kind of tap into you, into who you are and, you know, really look behind that curtain of, you know, what really does drive me? Where do I find my meaning in life? You know, what is important to me? And it, it forces you to, to really consider, you know, the time spent, your intentionality, you know, to pursue, just to, to even pursue things that can push you to find those things. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been certainly a, a good, you know, journey over the last few years of, of really trying to find that it's has its ups and downs. And yeah, like I said, you know, it definitely comes with a lot of good stuff, but yeah, it, it certainly puts on, I think, you know, other stressors then that you have to learn how to deal with. So that, and what you said a couple of sentences ago about now having to have new pursuits or figure things out. That's exactly what Kabu would say. And the, the, the whole root meaning of absurdism is we want control and security. We want order. We want meaning and purpose. And Camus would say the universe obvious, obviously provides none of that. It provides everything the opposite. So for you to think that the world or the universe or life is going to provide those things is unbelievably absurd. It's ridiculous. It's not going to come from there. So you can do one of three things, Camus would say. You can just decide that it's not worth it and kill yourself. He posed that as a literal conundrum that you have to entertain. You could create or engage in a religion that just pretends that all those things do matter. Uh, this week, just a couple days ago, we had the, the another school shooting. We have, you know, dozens a week in the U.S. And so at a Christian school, a gunman goes in and blows the brains out of three nine-year-olds and three faculty members. And 
you know, people there in that faith group would say, well, you know, God has a reason. God has a purpose. He protected the other ones or look how fast the police were there. That's a blessing. And Camus would say, are you fucking crazy? Like a God literally just let nine people there worshiping him, you know, get their brains burned out. That's absurd. But not to poo-poo that, that is literally something that people find solace in. And Camus said, that's perfectly fine. He actually even said, I would rather believe and live like there is a God, die and find out there isn't, than live like there is none and die and find out there is. So uh, Pascal's wager. <laughs> so he said, there's, yeah. there's, like, that's not, yeah. even though absurdism is, you know, kind of a taunt to that. He said, that's reasonable. Like people will do that. People will probably always do that. That's a reasonable response to the terror of existence. Finally, the third way to deal with that is what you said. You just have to find the pleasure and you don't find meaning in life. You make meaning. So in the things that we do every day, and when you get into our lifestyle of bodybuilding, fitness, you know, taking care of ourselves, we are coaches who help people in their health journeys and pursuing better lives. If you're just going to die, why? You know, why not eat, drink and be merry? Because the daily life is your life. By the time you go to your deathbed, all your life was, was a collection of good days, bad days, meaningful days, meaningless days. It's whatever you want to make it. You don't find meaning, you make meaning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I was just, I, mean, I was just, I, that was just so wonderfully said. And that, that whole thing was just, you know, so powerful. And in, you know, you saying, you know, you're not going to find it, you know, you need to make it and really just, you know, the absurdism and, you know, maybe, you know, not going with the religious side, you know, it really puts that, that onus on you to create that to, you know, you know, like I said, dive into yourself and be okay to try new things, realize, hey, that's actually not what I like. That's not what I want to do. That's not what I want to do. And like, sometimes, you know, I find myself like, oh, like, Am I just jumping around? Like what? And you can't necessarily care at a certain point, like what other people might think of you, because like at the end of it, like you said, you have you, your good days and your bad days, and that's it. And so you may as well as make like as many good days as possible. Like I was kind of reminded as you were talking, um, I've been listening to a little bit more Lex Friedman again. And, you know, he always talks about how he can find joy in anything in every single little moment there's joy to be found i think you know partially that is i think just dna for some people i don't I, I don't think that's maybe maybe i'm wrong but i don't think it's realistic for every single person to to do that but i still think it's such a great lesson in that there is so much to 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 be joyful about and to enjoy in this life as we are talking from our positions and, and most of our listeners, right? We live a, a, a very, very, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, not valued life, but privileged life. You know, just the fact that I can eat three meals a day. I can, you know, have my own house, uh, you know, backyard, a dog, like those things alone, you know, 60 to 80% of the world doesn't have. Right. And so 
it's really just about, you know, shifting that perspective as well. And, and really just taking the, the, that joy in those little things and, and creating meaning with those, because those are the things you are with every single day, you know, your family, your loved ones, your friends, you know, those small little moments that you do have together where it's just, you know, maybe a dinner out or you're going to go on a little vacation. Like it's, there's so many of those little things. And I think, yeah, we get caught up so much in sometimes the the overwhelming pressure of the world to to be this way, to do this, to do that, and and have all of these, you know, I, ideologies that people think that we need to do where you take that step back, you have those small moments. And you know, I think that just kind of continues to grow. You know, we've kind of talked about neuroplasticity a lot. And it's like, hey, you can start to take that step back, have those small moments, really think that you're going to start to just naturally start to see like a bit more joy in your life and and enjoy things a little bit more and really just kind of soak it all in soak in the moment you know you talked about last week how you started putting your phone you know in a different room but one because you know it's it's just too depressing and you don't want to waste your time but just even two like just not missing out on the moment right like you know it's like when i'm hanging out with quinn in the evening i don't want to be sitting at my you know looking at my phone i want to be looking at her and seeing what she's doing and like interacting with her because that's where that meaning is like that's where i can create meaning and and having those small moments you know just are the world and it's like hey you know like i always like i always tell myself like this is the most she's ever going to want me <laughs> you know and and you know and so it's like, I am going to soak this up. She, you know, she doesn't say no to cuddling right now. One day there's going to be a no, right? And that's going to be done and over with for the most part. And so, yeah, it's it's really just, um, yeah, it's those small moments. I think people tend to look for the big moments, but life is, you know, spilled so much more with those small little things where where we can find joy. Well, that, that, was, that was Camus' response to, I mean, clearly a positive response to, to people who, were classic existentialists. And I certainly don't want to make this all about religion versus non-religion. But even as I gave the example of the the Nashville tragedy, those people in that religious context, they also have the ability to do the same thing. They can say, well, I'm going to keep my faith and I have to hermeneutically twist some beliefs to make it fit. Like there is still a God who cares. And I'm going to see my child again in heaven someday and that sort of thing. That still gives you the kind of meaning that Camus would say, if you don't choose a religious faith system that allows you to, you know, again, I mean, he's he's kind of fair minded, but he would say that's that is a kind of suicide. There's there's the real suicide. You're just checking out. And there's the intellectual suicide where I'm just going to say it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to have any meaning. I'm just going to scoop all my poker chips over to that side of the table and say it'll all work out. Those of us looking for his path forward, which was to make meaning ourselves, we have to do the same thing, but we do it with each other, with relationships, with those moments you talked about. And I want to read you a couple quotes from him because he he lived in an era, you know, I think he died in the 50s or 60s, where when you wrote books, you still kind of fictionalize things. They didn't just write nonfiction self-help books. So the rebel, the myth of Sisyphus, things like that. He would he would write these things as novels with fictionalized characters and and tell these stories. But when you go through his actual quotes, uh, they can be quite more revealing in, in shorter substance. In the depth of winter, I finally learned that there was an invincible summer in me. So 
whatever I'm feeling and going through, like you said, neuroplasticity, et cetera, I can choose to tap into that, that inner positiveness. Um, men must live and create, live to the point of tears. And that makes me think of what I said about our fitness community, things like that. Like you just do things because you want to do them and they're a good thing to do. You don't have to say it's the right or the wrong thing to do, or it's a selfish or, or, or altruistic thing. It's just what I want to compose in my life. I'm going to live my life to the point of tears. Beauty is unbearable, drives us to despair, offering for us a minute, the glimpse of an eternity that we should like to stretch out over the whole of time. So that's kind of that existential dread. You know, we, we get these moments of beauty and yet we know they can't last, but you still have to pursue them while you can. Uh, nothing is more despicable than respect based on fear. So that's another kind of punch to the religious system, like making you do things. Um, blessed are the hearts that can bend. They shall never be broken. You cannot create experience. You must undergo it. Those who lack the courage, I quoted this, will always find a, a philosophy to justify it. So all of these things talking about you go out there and just live your life. That's okay. Just live your life. That's what it's all about. That's absurdism. And, and I really think that in today's busy culture, as you kind of alluded to, that's what we miss. We, we're always in such a hurry to do something huge or spectacular, or we have to win this or accomplish that. It's like, sure, but don't forget the journey in those moments is, is what you're always going to remember. Yeah. It, you know, you, you kind of had this, you said this to me, you know, the other or a couple of weeks ago, and it stuck with me is that mission over money. And, you know, you kind of just talking about that. And again, just reminded me, you know, I think you can kind of tie those two things together of, you know, finding and creating that meaning in life through the experience, you know, through that mission that you find, whatever it might be, you know, for us, it's, it's just the day to day helping, you know, Helping Joe Blow, you know, lose 10 pounds, eat a little bit better, uh, you know, shift their view on food a little bit where it's like, hey, now I can go out for dinner and I don't feel guilty anymore. Like those are things where, you know, I know for myself, like when we're able to to do that and see that with clients, like that is, you know, that is such meaning making and they're not, they're not winning a trophy. They're not, you know, doing this, but now we've been able to improve their lives in a, in a, not just a meaningful way, but in a measurable way too. And so we come back to, yeah, just, you know, those small things and, and the mission and, you know, just really focusing on that day-to-day -day experience of living your life, whatever that might look like. So here's something that may resonate with some of our listeners. Um, because of our background, we're at different stages of life. But it's very, very tough for me to give up my identity as a bodybuilder. And once I walked away from competing as a pro for 15 or 20 years, it, it, I didn't find that difficult because I could still hang on to the identity of a retired pro. I'm still in the community. My career is still uh, embedded in that. But with a couple of surgeries, a couple of injuries, and now I've been training aggressively for more than 40 years. I'm in my mid fifties. I can't do the same things I did. And just the love of training, just the love of going into the gym. That's why I do it. I don't have anything to look forward to externally. I just love that. And recently 
I discovered this side of me that was like, I really am not even loving that quite as much because I can't even find many games within the game. I I'm never going to be as strong in my squat or my deadlift. And, you know, just, just I'm, I'm aging. It's just not, there's not as much to pursue. Yeah. So as I told you in my teens, I was into martial arts in my thirties. I was in martial arts. Our new headquarters is just right across the street from a friend of mine who was my kid's judo instructor. So I called him up. I said, Hey, like, you know, what do you got going on? What do you have? And I am now going to be doing multiple forms of martial arts, you know, jujitsu, kempo, karate, krav maga. And I uh, now I have something to look forward to. I can invest myself in growth and learning and doing something that I can actually pursue in in ways that look progressive and interesting to me. Obviously, I'm, a, I'm still going to train. That's part of my life, my daily life. But I, I think we need both of those things. You still have to be able to pursue something that interests you. That's kind of the man's search for meaning. Um, but at the same time, the meaning is in those daily moments and we create those paths forward. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm kind of with you on that one too. Like in the same vein of, uh, I don't need that external whatever to, to get to the gym. I just love going to the gym. I just love being active. I, you know, we, we started doing some running as, as part of, uh, you know, that prep, man, I haven't ran in too long and this is kind of fun. I kind of like this. You know what? I'm just going to like, I may not be in prep anymore, but I'm just going to keep running. I enjoy it. I just got my mountain bike fixed. I'm excited to kind of do some more biking this summer. Like I just love being active and using this body. Like I've always kind of said, like, what's the point of having a physique if you can't use it? Right. And to me, that's doing all of these things. You know, we've got a bunch of big projects coming up at our house. That's going to require a bit of manual labor. And I'm like, Oh, I can't wait because I sit at a desk all day and I love using my body and my strength and just being out there, you know, two, three hours music on and, and just working and, and being manual in, you know, some manual labor. And so, yeah, I I'm with you on that. And, you know, it's not, you know, I learned that that's just not, that's not a motivating factor for me. I'd rather just live a different life. I don't want it to be 24 seven because there's so many other things I'd much rather be doing. And I'd rather have the energy and the time um, to, to go explore those because there are so many cool things that, you know, you can go do like you getting back into martial arts. Like a couple summers ago, I spent a whole summer learning how to, to real box, not like, you know, not a, you know, your Tybo boxing class, but like got into a ring, actually did some sparring and like really learned. And to man, those, those are some of the hardest workouts I've ever done in my life. Cardio wise, like learning to take a punch from a guy who's been boxing for five years. And I'm like in my first few months, but I was the biggest guy there, you know, cause boxers tend to be small and I had to learn how to take punches from, you know, this guy who's had a bunch of fights already. And, you know, it's, just learning those type of things and then, you know, not spending all of your time at the gym and obsessing about that. Like I just even say, look at that for my clients too, of like, it's like we have this idea where it's like, I need to be in the gym three hours a day. You know, I got to be doing 60 minutes of cardio a day, you know, and it's miserable for people. People hate it. And it's like, we kind of come back to this absurdism. It's it's absurd that if you're doing this and you hate it, why? Like, what's the point? Like, Let's make this an enjoyable process. Let's spend less time in the gym. You're going to enjoy it more 
And guess what? You're going to get more results because you're enjoying it. Again, it's very much just trying to rewire and get people to think in a different way. Yeah, well, let me, let me let me close out with another quote from Camus. This is this is a great one. A man's work is nothing but this slow trek to rediscover through the detours of art, those two or three great and simple images in whose presence his heart first opened. So as you said, coming back to the things you love, the two or three things that you find so intriguing that you just can't take your eyes off them, you can't keep your hands away from them, you you want to do them, why would you not? I mean, I'll I'll go back to your point. Why would you not do what you love if if life is essentially meaningless, devoid of you making the meaning? Go go make it what you want. So, uh, thanks again, Tyler, and those of you who watch and listen. Hope this doesn't get uh, too far into the weeds for you, but this is one of those that I think is is really really foundational because all the other things we talk about and developing, you know, who you are, how your brain works, how you're going to live your life. This is, this is square one kind of stuff. So if you're interested, you can even just go to YouTube and look up some lectures and, and writings and, and workshops about Albert Camus, because I think you'll really like his version of absurdism, which is very, very positive and not nihilistic at all. So we'll see you next time in the Mind Muscle Connection.